It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface. As always, we'll bring you a preview of each and every one of this week's matches in the best league in the world, without the help of any technology, because let's face it, we actually want to get it right. This week, my football-loving friends are TalkSport's South Coast-based glory-hunting Manchester United fan, Alex Crook. Not much glory to be had this season, Sam. Andrew Butler will provide the clear and obvious choices for your dream team selections, and I'm Delighted to say, a man who has been at more clubs in his career than Wayne Rooney has been to in one night out, but only just. It's the ex-Fyanord, West Ham, Wolves, Southampton, Portsmouth and 86 others, the grand old doctor of analysis. It is Dr. David Connolly, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, how do you do? Thanks for having me. Okay, uh, Dr. David's surgery is just about to get open for business. Uh, which one of your former clubs, by the way, has had the best start to the season, do you think? Of the 72, um, well, let's narrow it down to a few in the Premier League. Uh, it could be the likes of Wolves, but they're stuttering along down the bottom. Southampton are, are doing even worse. Not as bad as Watford, though, but I'm going to have to go with <laughs> the Foxes of Leicester. Um, I think they're going great guns at the minute. Uh, Alex Crook, you've had a season ticket at Portsmouth. You've worn the shirt and kissed the badge. You're a paid-up member of the It Wouldn't Happen in Fergie's Day club. Which of your teams has had the best start to the season? Well, it's definitely not United, is it? Uh, and in fairness, it, oh, it's a difficult one. Now, I'd, I'd probably say Brighton. I've been impressed with what they've done under Graham Potter. Southampton have been poor so far. Bournemouth, me. Right, OK, let's get on with the North London derby. Down round the goalkeeper, gets to the byline, he's very wide, but then turns and shoots and scores a stunning equaliser for Arsenal. What a goal from Lacazette. Arsenal working the ball forward again, Ramsey, deft little flicker, Bellyang first time, it's 2-2. Arsenal back on level terms with the predatory instincts of Pierre-Emerick Bellyang. Harry Kane runs up, right-footed, arrows it into the corner, Tottenham a level. And Harry Kane has now scored more goals in Premier League North London derbies than anyone else. And Tottenham, more importantly, are back in the game. Looking forward to this one Sunday at 4.30. Arsenal will be buoyed by two things going into this fixture, gentlemen, I think. One, that Spurs have only won one of the last 26 Premier League visits to Arsenal. And that Spurs wear basically spray-on jerseys, so... 
David Luiz can't give away a penalty. Uh, Unai Emery polishing that diamond this week, David, do you think? Um, I'm not more like a lump of coal, I think, to be honest. Um, look, that's been a bit facetious. They, they were okay in, in spells, don't get me wrong, but I think it was a gamble that he didn't really need to take. I mean, he's not played it before as far as I can recall. Um, I can't remember him playing it at any of his previous clubs either. So to try it out against arguably the best side in Europe or one of the best sides um, was, I think, really risky. And you can only play a diamond, and I've played in a diamond uh, with Southampton quite a lot, if you've got a certain type of player that can get around the park. And I just don't think they have that. Uh, Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang, you can't get them into the same team at the same time. I'll be surprised if he does that in the North London derby. I've watched Pepe twice now, albeit only as a sub against Burnley. He's not exactly a team player, is he? I mean, he missed a chance last week against Liverpool and stood in the corner rubbing his head for two minutes whilst Liverpool went on the counter-attack. I mean, he fits in perfectly at Arsenal, I suppose, but um, he's... I'm, I'm a bit worried about his overall contribution to the team. Well, do you see do you see him as a major asset? Yeah, I do. I think that he caused Robertson a couple of really awkward moments. He looks like he's got incredible ball control. Now, of his goals last season, a lot of them were pens. He only had one on his right foot. So, to me, just play him off the right, cutting him with his left. That's where he scored the majority of his goals. Don't play him through the middle, although it was a threat. He's going to be great with the ball. Now, it's without the ball that they've got a problem, which is why I don't think he could play in a front too. But I could certainly think he could play him out wide. You know, play him out wide on one side, play maybe a Bamiyan wide on the other and get Lacazette back through the middle. I think if he if he went back to his normal formation, Unai Emery, with, with a 4-2-3-1 or something, I, I think they'll cause Tottenham lots of problems. And to me, you can get those three in the same side. Alex, David Luiz went full Spurs away from last season <laughs> up at Liverpool last weekend. Uh, the thing with him is he can be brilliant, but he can also be a massive liability as well. If you're Poch, do you focus on him? I mean, Son roasted him last season. It's a massive bonus for, for Tottenham that he's back from suspension. He was back from suspension last week, but back to a bit more full match fitness this week against Arsenal. Yeah, of course you focus on him. And I, I think his inclusion and, and, and his blunder to give away that penalty... And the fact that Aubameyang and Lacazette have scored almost as many goals between them as Salah, Mane and Firmino just highlights Arsenal's transfer business was all wrong. They didn't need to sign Pepe. It was an indulgent signing. They'd have been much better off spending that money on a couple of half-decent defenders. Yeah. David Luiz, you say, can be brilliant, but you can count those games on one hand. He is more often than not a liability. He is going to cost you points. I do wonder, though, is this a good time to be playing Spurs? There just seems something not quite right there. I've, I've watched all of their games so far. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino going back to pre-season. His demeanour is very negative. He's always moaning about something. The transfer market closing... I think he wanted and expected more signings. And I do still wonder if United suffer too many more defeats like they did at the weekend, Solskjaer gets the tic-tac, then maybe Pochettino could end up at Old Trafford after all. Well, it's something that everyone's been talking about because even in the summer, he didn't look as if he was committing his future uh, to Tottenham. I think he said it a couple of times, didn't he? You know, that if they'd won the Champions League, it might have been time for him to, to walk away. I've watched Spurs a lot, David. I think there are too many positions on the field where, for a big team, they're taking a bit of a gamble. They don't have a plan B when it comes to Harry Kane. If he isn't scoring, and, and it's the last 10 minutes of a match, they used to have Fernando Llorente, but he turned down a, a reasonably big money deal to be a super sub. They don't have that alternative. Vincent Janssen went off to Mexican football. Son being back does take a little bit of the pressure off him once he's fit, but the fullback positions aren't aren't reliable, are they? I mean, you've got Carl Walker-Peters and, and Danny Rose, who actually doesn't play 40 games 
over the course of a season. And let's have it right. They're brilliant when they're all singing from the same team sheet. But despite him being very good at fostering a spirit, that spirit looks to me like it's ebbing away. Last year, he seemed to have it in abundance. This year, I don't see it. No, I think there's something in that. I mean, if you look at their their performance against Newcastle, I think Harry Kane touched the ball four times in the Newcastle box. I mean, that is just not enough. And if you saw his positioning, he kept dropping deeper and deeper to get the ball. Now, that's where if an Ericsson Mm. was there, he'd be doing that for him. You know, he'd be on that back line, threatening him behind. And they just didn't have enough creativity. Now, forget in terms of their defending, because, you know, they didn't really have to defend that much. But what they did defend, they did it really badly. So the distances between the two fullbacks was really bad between Rose and the centre-half Sanchez and Alderweireld and Walker-Peters the other side. Distances and gaps far too big. And you've got to remember, Newcastle barely had the ball. Now, Arsenal are going to have a lot more of the ball, so they're going to be put under more defensive yeah. pressure. But, you know, if Harry Kane keeps dropping deeper and deeper, if he's starved of the ball, I mean, you know, how much longer can he keep Ericsson on the bench I mean he can't he can't have a player that quality no matter what's going on now I know this has been said about Poch that you know you're either with him or, or against him and, and if you fall out with him that is it you are done he showed that at, with numerous players at various clubs he will take no prisoners he can be ruthless but this Ericsson that's situation that's another one of those gambles though isn't yeah it? it is but he can't he can't afford it because he hasn't got anyone else with the same creativity nobody there's not well there's not an Ericsson in it barely any of the other clubs there's a James Madison someone like that and that's what Harry Kane needs in behind him look at Vardy he has a similar amount of touches mm. to Kane he gets half a chance he bangs it away that's what Kane does but you know not if he keeps coming as deep as he was against Newcastle OK um, let's put Al next on the line here what do you think is going to happen Alex? I think there'll be goals um, I would love to say Spurs but their record particularly the Emirates is so poor I think Arsenal might nick it 3-2 yeah, 3-2 um, well, Arsenal can outscore teams, I suppose, David. I mean, that, I think you. I mean, apart from Liverpool, obviously. I mean, and they have only played Burnley and, and Newcastle prior to that. But they do look like a team that will outscore teams over the course of the season. They've certainly got quite a lot in their armoury. Pardon the pun. Yep, they do. Um, I think they will score goals here. I think they'll win. But I think that if they give up as many balls into the box as as they did against Liverpool, then I think Spurs will also score. But I'll be going for a home victory. I think they might nick two or three, maybe maybe two one. Um, so many away wins last week in the Premier League I was tempted to uh, have a little nibble on Spurs but I think this will end up being a a high scoring draw Uh, nine more games to come on our preview pod this Saturday at 12.30 I'm heading to St Mary's to watch Southampton against Manchester United Pogba out daubed on the sign at the entrance to Carrington online abuse missed penalties try and forget if you can the morons for a minute are there still troubles at Manchester United or as Gary Neville suggested will they win the title before Liverpool David um, to be honest it's a little bit similar to, to Tottenham um, you know have they got enough did they do enough Tottenham got a shiny new stadium have they got a shiny new team Man United they've got they got the shiny stadium but the team just hasn't been strengthened in the right areas if Marshall's a doubt you haven't been to Old Trafford for a while if you think it's a shiny stadium well exactly you know but it's it's obviously <laughs> got that and this is the problem right it, it might not be shiny but it's got that expectation of 70 plus thousand in there that want to see a certain type of football and they certainly didn't see it last week I mean it was a really poor performance oh, they're struggling poor. they're struggling up top I mean if Marshall and you've got to remember he's only 23 Marshall that's pretty young to be carrying that club. He's basically carrying that number nine shirt. And I think it's it's quite heavy for him. Now, if he's out, who's going to go up top? Rashford? Who's going to come in? 
Mason Greenwood. But mm. I tell you what, that's a pretty... You know, Daniel James, I mean, Daniel James is only playing because there's no one else and he's actually stepped up. But I'm sure Ollie was thinking when he signed him, I'm not going to have to rely on him immediately. But he does. So they've got they've got a few issues, a bit like Tottenham. You know, Lingard's not performing. You know, who's going to come in? Is Matter going to come in? Where's their creativity going to go? So they've got a few problems to solve against the Southampton side that actually I think they're probably thinking, right, we put real physical presence up against Lindelof and, you know, we'll tell you what, we might be able to target him and, you know, Palace did that quite well. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game. So I reckon Southampton will fancy to get something. Manchester United, to me, and I watched that game last week, are about as frustrating as assembling IKEA flat pack furniture, aren't they? You're sure all the parts are there, but you just can't fit them together. And when you finish, no matter what the result is, everyone looks unhappy. <laughs> everyone looks unhappy apart from Solskjaer, who's doing his David Moyes impression, sitting there grinning like a Cheshire cat while everything collapses in front of him. One clean sheet in 18 games. That first goal against Crystal Palace was something you would see in a match involving the dog and duck on a Sunday morning. Long ball over the top, Lindelof completely done in the air. Harry Maguire, who as you know, Sam, I've been full of praise for so far, was miles out of position. Uh, Never threatening to get back and help out his teammate. Palace scored the opening goal. That partnership clearly is going to need a bit of time to work. And I think David's absolutely right. The one thing you know about Che Adams hasn't scored a goal yet in the Premier League, but he's physical. I fancy him in the air against Lindelof. They won't keep a clean sheet, United. And I I think Southampton will fancy their chances. Nathan Redman obviously hobbling off uh, in the cup game in midweek. That's going to be a blow if he isn't fit, because I'm not convinced by Adam and Ings as a partnership that they seem to want to make the same runs and get in the same sort of positions I think the result is going to depend solely on what move Paul Pogba is in and that's a worrying trend for Manchester United he was terrible in this fixture last season it was live on TalkSport but unfortunately for United given the baggage that he brings they only seem to play well when Pogba fancies it and is in the mood but he is one of these sort of characters that Manchester United actually, and there's a reason why they've rallied around him in the last couple of weeks and tried to sort of put their arm around him and say how brilliant he is. They need Because him. that yeah. team actually don't have much creativity. No, absolutely. And he is it. If he is on form, he is going to come up with something which is probably going to lead to a goal at some point during the 90 minutes. He may well give away the ball two or three times out of five, but ultimately there's also a moment of genius in his locker as well. well so they do need to keep him on side. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to. Absolutely. And, and I think as I said you saw that in that game but you know you don't expect a goalkeeper of David De Gea's ability you know one of the best paid goalkeepers in the world you know to let in a strike yeah. like that and that's just not good enough for Man United in the olden days whether it was Schmeichel or Van der Sar or whatever if they'd have got through they would have they would have easily kept that out so Pogba's mistake wouldn't have even we wouldn't even be talking about it but you say you don't expect that from David De Gea you do expect it from David De Gea if you've been watching him for the last 18 months. He was terrible in the World Cup for Spain. Mm. He was terrible last season for United. Probably cost him a place in the Champions League towards the end of the season with the mistakes he was making. We've said this before off the air, Sam. I'd have sold De Gea, let him go to Real Madrid or wherever he wants and stick Romero in. He's a very good goalkeeper, Romero, and David De Gea has become a liability. Yeah, but to, to be the number one at Old Trafford, it, it, we've seen numerous goalkeepers try and fail. I think you need a special personality and I, I'm not sure he would have been the answer. Uh, one of the problems they have solved, of course, because uh, after tinkling the ivories in one of the weirdest announcement <laughs> videos 18 months ago on joining Manchester United, Alexis Sanchez is off to play his piano in Milan. Um, to be fair, it's the only time during his tenure that he hit the right notes. Um, sum up his tenure for me in one word. The piano in Milano, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> Woeful. 
yeah, I mean, he's been a failure, like an expensive one at that. And I think with him gone, Lukaku gone, what's, that's the best part, nearly a million pound off their wage bill every week. So I think they'll be delighted. I think they're playing 4.5 million of 21 million pounds in salary uh, per year into Milan. So they're not exactly taking it all off of the balance sheet, sadly. Um, when I said sum up his tenure in one word, you know, that was one, not one sentence, David. Come on, pay attention. <laughs> hey, we haven't even started um, on Southampton gonna... yet, have we? We've got we to gotta touch on them. Well, I was going to talk to uh, Alex about that because as the talk sport man in the South, you've seen a lot of them. Um, I think their transfer business has been pretty poor. They needed a better defence for me than than they've got. And you're basically asking a championship front line to, to fire them out of trouble. Is that unfair or realistic? No, I, I think Ralph Hasenhutter was expecting a lot more from this transfer window. He hasn't said it publicly, but I've just noticed over the last few weeks, his demeanour has changed slightly. Since he came in, he's been a very upbeat character, uh, very open, and he's, he's just gone into his shell a little bit. I think he's frustrated. I mean, they had a, a, a centre-back whose last game in Germany was an 8-1 defeat playing at left-back against Brighton last weekend. He did OK, Kevin Danso, but what that does show is a lack of faith that Hasenhutl has in Cedric, who can play in that position, and Maya Yashida, who's been there a long time and has played at left-back. The defence is, is, is an absolute accident waiting to happen. It's a major worry. Uh, che Adams hasn't hit the ground running as they would have hoped yet to score, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Danny Ings, despite the fact he's worked really hard to get fit over pre-season, still doesn't look 100% sharp to me. Th- their best players are Nathan Redman, who's injured, and Pierre Hoybier, who is having to do a lot of work in midfield just to protect that back line. And he's playing left-back because he played left-back last <laughs> night in did. the cup against he Fulham. Did. And, um, you know, I think they need... Like, if Bertrand is going to stay and he wants to stay, and he, well, he's got a couple of years there, then he, he needs to make sure he actually starts playing and, and shows a bit of character because I, I think Southampton do need them. Like it, They really do because their performances have a bit of a stuttering start. Obviously, one last night as well showed a little bit of character against, against Brighton. And we've got to see if this formation has some substance. You know, this 4-2-2-2, two, 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 is, it, is it something different or is it, is it basically a carbon copy of Burnley's 4-4-2 and it's pretty basic you know is it the Southampton way this this fabled Southampton way that doesn't way? exist anymore well exactly never or, did exist or is it something else because they've had so many changes <laughs> the Southampton way yeah the Southampton well, way which where did was, you get the Southampton way was that is that graduating little kids uh, out of their little farm that they've got on the outskirts of Hampshire and yeah, bringing them through I the first I think it's the team. side I mean, of West Ham way and there's a couple of other ways isn't there <laughs> it was a marketing man who dreamt it up when their players and the manager was going to talk and, and fans have latched onto it but it, it, it's a myth it's, it, it died with Les Reed uh, when he left there the, the worry for Southampton yeah, this season I was going to say he's not dead Les, Les Reed. <laughs> it, 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 if you look at the last couple of years uh, when they set up two seasons ago they were saved by Swansea who completely fell away at the end of the season uh, last season you had to be a really poor side to finish in that bottom three this season when you look at the clubs who come up from the championship Good win for Newcastle and Palace last weekend. It's a much stronger division. I think Southampton are going to have to improve a lot to stay up. United will not be wearing grey shirts. That's going to be a given. Gold, I imagine, this weekend for them. Uh, the last time that Saints beat United at home was 16 years ago. Sven Joran Eriksson was the England manager. Manchester United could score penalties. And Wayne Rooney was tucked up in bed at a reasonable hour. Now, fresh from their success against Tottenham, how are Newcastle going to get on against Watford? Here's Tom Rennie. Watford's summer of unfamiliar serenity has left them languishing pointless at the bottom of the table after three games of this campaign, giving the club's hierarchy plenty to ponder, having backed their manager with a new contract in the midst of the successes of last season. 
Javi Grazia led the Hornets to the FA Cup final where they were dispatched with ease by a rampant Manchester City. But that run to Wembley hit a period of poor form which has seen them lose their last six Premier League matches by an aggregate score of 3-16, their joint longest losing run in the top flight. The club haven't lost their opening four games of a season since 1935. Not a good time to be without skipper Troy Deeney through injury. But a trip to Newcastle United might not be the worst thing for the men from Vicarage Road, being as they've won three of their last four at St James's. However, the Magpies are in a good place right now after their smash-and-grab win at Tottenham last weekend, a victory that Steve Bruce will hope will silence the doubters who see him as a Mike Ashley yes-man as well, of course, as a former Sunderland boss. Joa Linton's first goal for the club gave them that win last week, but it was also built on defensive stability and organisation, something some seemingly unfounded reports suggested Bruce was not capable of delivering. But it's home wins that really keep the faithful happy, and that won't be easy this weekend with so many injuries. Alain Sol Maximin joining that long list, as well as captain Jamal Lascelles, fellow defender Fabian Scher, and attacker Miguel Almiron, who are all major doubts for this one. It's a big match for both, no doubt about that. Will Watford's greater need get them off the mark at a usual happy hunting ground? Time for our Twitter takeover this weekend. We are focusing on Manchester City and Brighton. Our army of Twitter followers are here to help ensure that we have our fingers on the pulse of the big match with the match going balty. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. I eating super fans. I mean, we are doing that anyway by including Alex Crook in this podcast this week. Um, this week's talking points have been shot across by Andy Savage, who is from the account at MCFC 9320 Group. Uh, you know the reference Aguero fans, and we are Brighton picked us uh, a few things out as well. Let's start with Brighton, David. The first question from our Twitter friends is: How will Graham Potter set up tactically, given that he's gone into every game so far with an attacking three-four-three formation? 
position. If he plays like that at the Etihad, we could get absolutely massacred, says uh, at We Are Brighton. Yeah, he might be right. Um, I'm not too sure he's going to change his three because if you look at sides that have actually done quite well against uh, City, they've normally played a three. Well, look at Bournemouth. They did quite well, didn't they, with the three, which actually became a five. Now, what he might do is just bring his two wing-backs in a little bit deeper, Solly March and Montoya, create a little five, probably take two of the forwards that he had up top, just drop them back a little bit deeper, you know, to make a make a four in midfield. And it ended up probably being like a 5-4-1 and we've seen Newcastle play that last season against City and do quite well but the difficulty is how you stop the likes of De Bruyne how you stop the likes of David Silva just getting in between the defence and the midfield and they did that so well the other night against uh, the other day against Bournemouth just found Silva in the little pocket in the inside left channel so I think they've it's going to be difficult but one thing is I think they've got goals in them now Brighton I think as long as they play it quite tight which they showed last season they can defend Brighton they really can it was goal scoring that was the problem but if they keep it tight they'll have a chance if they play too open they could get in serious trouble though Andy Savage has pointed out and he's the City fan who's got in touch with us this week Alex that that some teams often come across as if they are defeated even before they've gone out on the pitch against City Um, do you think that is the case I mean, Brighton, for me, last season in the semi-final are, are the main example of that. 100%. Um, again, I don't want to hark back to the Fergie era, but it was, the, it was the same when teams went to Old Trafford. David will testify, you were almost beaten before you stepped out the tunnel. You looked around and you saw the likes of Roy Keane and Paul Scholes and Ryan Giggs and Yapstam. You thought, oh, we're not going to get anything here today. It's definitely the same for Manchester City, but probably the same for the Liverpool team uh, in the 1980s. As well, and Bournemouth last season, we all remember that home game when they failed to muster a single shot on target or a corner. Well, they went the other way this time uh, in the game at the weekend. They tried to be more attacking and they still got beat. I think the truth is, unless Brighton have an absolutely red-hot day and unless Manchester City are well below par, Brighton will lose. It's about the manner in which they lose. And I think Graham Potter is going to go there and try and have a go. Uh, Finally, and this is a favourite of the Brighton fans, um, they they want to talk about Ali Reza Jahambach and Jürgen Lukadia. Do you think, as TalkSport South Coast correspondent, uh, that Chris Hewton misused them or they're just not cut out for the Premier League? Because Jahambach did very well in the Erie Divisie. I mean, Alfonso Alves did very well in the Erie Divisie, but also Mason Mount did very well. Vitesse Arnhem was their player of the year, then came into the Championship championship got used to a more physical style of football then moved into the Premier League and has taken to it like a a duck to water so it's not always the case that just because you're good in the Erie Divisie means that you you can't transfer those skills to the Premier League I mean David Connolly did it Um, but ultimately it does it does depend on what sort of team you fit into doesn't it because the players that come out of that division technically are usually more sort of used to spending time with the ball. I think it's harsh to blame Chris Hewton because I don't think he signed the players. Uh, Brighton did the deals and he was just asked to coach the players. I'm not sure either of them are really Chris Hewton players, didn't work hard enough, which is the number one uh, aim that you need if you're going to play in a Hewton team. I've seen a lot of Lacardia, apart from a cup game against Coventry when he did very well. No disrespect to Coventry, that's a different kettle of fish to the Premier League. He never struck me as a Premier League player. And your handbatch has been absolutely woeful, to be honest. So whether he might get a renaissance under Graham Potter, Licardi won't because he's off to Germany to spend the rest of the season at Hoffenheim. OK, another big game on Saturday. Burnley inviting Liverpool round for an upset. Palace step 
Shots away from David Luiz. Still Mo Salah, 3-0. Brilliant, brilliant individual goal for Mohamed Salah. And Liverpool are over the hills and far away. And Arsenal are getting another mauling at Anfield. Low ball into Barnes. Barnes on the edge of the six-yard box. Underneath the goalkeeper and in. And Ashley Barnes is at it again, causing more grief. It beat the three centre-halves. Vestergaard on that left-hand side of the three centre-halves. It went over the top of his head. Great first touch from Barnes and what an outstanding finish. Burnley won, Southampton nil. One out of them has a bite of the cherry. Breaks for Mane and the goalkeeper can't stop it. Liverpool have the away goal. Sonio Mane scores it. I am really intrigued by this because I think Burnley will be much better at halting Liverpool than Arsenal were as mad as that seems because they're they're more defensively drilled they've got a better pattern of play and they're very good at being extremely disciplined and timing their border raids David yeah I think you're right I think they're going to be set up hard to hard to beat hard to break down but also when they go the other way you know they're just going to chuck it straight on the Liverpool centre-halves and say right can you deal with that now they're going to give them a different test probably one that Liverpool haven't really faced certainly not this season and very rarely until you face Burnley you know it's going to be ugly it's going to be up and out and in their face they're going to work ever so hard but if you go back to the Arsenal game it's probably going to be similar they're going to have to work really really hard everyone will probably need to play 8, 9 out of 10 for Burnley to have any chance they can't give set pieces away like Arsenal did because Liverpool had a set piece Kings and it's going to be a real battle if they make it ugly break play up you know do everything that they have to then they might be able to nick something here Burnley but it's, it's one where if it's not pretty, they'll get success. Uh, Ashley Barnes' finish against Wolves was arguably his finest of the season and he's got more to select from than Mo Salah at present. Uh, with the help of Chris Wood, how do Burnley disrupt Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk, Alex? Well, as David said, I think it will be a different challenge to what they faced against Arsenal. And I have to say at this stage, I probably owe Burnley fans an apology. I was pretty underwhelmed with their transfer window activity. I tip them to struggle. But they, for me, have been the surprise package so far. They've benefited from naming a settled side. Uh, They've named the same team every game so far. They are direct, but I think it's a cliche and a bit unfair to call them a long ball team. As you say, that goal that Barnes has scored was magical, really. And he he can score all kinds of goals. But they will get in Liverpool's faces, no doubt about that. And even against Arsenal, and it's, it's, it's been a theme of Liverpool's season so far, they have given the opposition chances. And if they give Burnley chances at home, I think they might get punished. Well, I think there's so many facets to this Liverpool team. The way they press, the workaday midfield that doesn't really conjure but controls. You've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is the definition of a, a modern fullback. I read a fantastic piece actually about him this week about his playmaking ability. People forget he was a midfielder until his late teens, and that's where that that sort of slide rule pass down the right channel comes from. That excellent vision comes from. But I still worry about the defence, and I think that's what you were alluding to there. They've conceded more shots um, than last year on average in games, and they've conceded in every match so far and the bedrock of their success last season David was keeping clean sheets yeah it was I mean obviously the signings they made cut their goals against dramatically um, but they are giving up a lot of attempts at the minute you know there's been a probably the gaps between the back four is a little bit too big certainly than what you'd expect now because they're going for it and they're really going to attack and playing this brand of football they are leaving themselves maybe a little bit more susceptible 
to the counter-attack than they'd like to be. But they're the set-piece kings. I think in Jordan Henderson, you just showed his quality for the team against Arsenal because as soon as Sabas received the ball, snuffed out any danger. And they just seem to get their tactics spot on. They know exactly what they're going to face here. It will be a second ball game. They're going to have to work really hard, pick up that second ball, then go and play from there. And I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge that I think Klopp will look forward to. He's had a good week to prepare. And I think this stage of the season, when they've had a week, as you saw against Arsenal, you know, once you get a week to prepare, which is unusual, certainly for the likes of Liverpool during the season, I think they would have really made mm. it count. OK, moving on. Crystal Palace scored last week. And what's more, they didn't need a penalty to do it. Here's Tom Rennie with a skinny on their game with Aston Villa. Those doom clouds that have hovered over Selhurst Park were temporarily lifted after their shot win at Old Trafford, only to be reformed following Carabao Cup humiliation and elimination against Colchester United in midweek. And there is the essential problem with the Eagles. Away from home, they're amongst the best in the business. In front of their passionate and boisterous home fans, they continue to flop. In Premier League history, Crystal Palace have won just 51% of their total points in home games, the lowest such ratio in the competition. But if they can work out a way to win games like this, coupled with their away game successes, then they could be a side to be reckoned with in the top flight. In fact, 2019 has been good to Roy Hodgson on the whole, with only Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal winning more games in the calendar year. Sometimes... It's hard to see the wood for the trees, with Wilfred Zahar's future taking so much of our attention. At last check, yes, he's still there and available for this weekend. Still no Mamadou Sacco or James Tompkins at the back, however. For Aston Villa, what an atmosphere at Villa Park as they picked up that win over Everton. A feeling so enjoyed, they thrashed Crew Alexandra 6-1 in midweek for good measure. Dean Smith has a happy camp on his hands right now and they'll not want to lose that momentum, so may well go on the front foot from the outset here, especially with striker Wesley settling quickly in Claret and Blue. Villa are looking for back-to-back wins and it's anyone's guess which Palace will turn up. This has all the hallmarks of a Premier League upset. Andrew Butler is back from a mid-season break, camping with eight former members of Love Island to bring us the Dream Team value picks this weekend. Um, now, West Ham's Super Seb had me at Hilaire. Um Surely he's got to be worth putting in against Norwich, hasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. He's, uh, he's 2.9 million on the game. He's, uh, he's taken up his price a little bit more, but two goals in the Starman Award last, uh, last weekend. He was absolutely fantastic. The one bit, actually, it wasn't even his goals. It was that scorpion kick chance that he had about 20 mm. minutes into the game. You don't do that if you're lacking in confidence. And, you know, he hadn't even scored in the Premier League and then he, he, he still tried that sort of stuff. Um, Ibrahimovic esque. It was, yeah, yeah. It would have been brilliant. And if it, had, if it had gone in, of course, and it would have meant that, you know, he could have gone on and got his hat-trick. But Sam, the best thing I think I like about Halle is that his middle name, I don't know if you know this, is Teddy. 
and that is uh, obviously reminiscent of another West Ham <laughs> legendary striker as well. But yeah, Sebastian oh. Teddy Halle. I only found that out uh, this yeah. week, but they've had so many full storms West Ham with their uh, uh, in their striking department that. I mean, I thought actually it might be my turn this season, but um, they've got LA. It looks all right. He's settled in quite well. And uh, and we'll see how he goes for, uh, up against Norwich this weekend. I think they have had more Premier League goal scorers than any other team in Premier League history, such as the number of people that have been given a chance by West Ham United. We're just delighted to have you back, by the way, because that's the sort of quality storytelling <laughs> that you bring to the party, which is why the Love Islanders wanted to take you around the campfire for a week. I, I um, what about Love Todd Islanders. Cantwell? Uh, Todd Cantwell, <laughs> I mean, he, play, he, played, uh, he played brilliantly. Um, obviously, he's, uh, you know, young lad local it was one of those kind of dream come true type moments unfortunately for Norwich obviously they didn't quite get the result that they needed and I have a feeling that that might just be Norwich through and through over the course of the season and that they might get close but not quite get over the line in some of those sort of games um, Chelsea just did enough to get the three points but um, yeah a great moment for Cantwell to, to, to get on the score sheet I love his um, I like the look of him and I like, I like his hair. You like his hair. I, I knew like he was going to say that. Yeah. I like his hair. Um, I mean, I've, I've not seen enough of him to, to really judge what he'll be able to do over the course of the season. But um, uh, his hair's looking fantastic at this point in the season. I've got he's to say. A bit, don't you think he's a I, bit? I, he's a bit like some of these West Ham players, don't you think? In terms of how he plays, he's like your Lanzini's and your Felipe Anderson's. Yeah. He's got that bit of creativity about him. And I really like him. Yeah, goal and a couple of assists already in the Premier League. That's not bad at all, is it? I actually stood in a very cramped Carrow Road tunnel as Todd Cantwell came past me. And it did look as if I'd just wandered into a school corridor. Uh, he's very, very young looking. Uh, unlike Tiemo Puki, uh, who has scored five of their six goals so far, which is 83%, and had 12 of their 33 shots on target. He doesn't do much, but he does bag goals. Um, is he expensive in the game now? I imagine after his start, he will be. Well, he's actually the highest point scorer in the game, which is, um, you know, well, he's scored five goals, so you'd expect him to be up there. But he's 2.2 million. He's gone up a little bit. Um, but he He's, uh, he's been brilliant and I actually I owe him, him an apology I, I'm not sure if he does listen I, I assume that he probably does um, I said at the start of the does. season that I wasn't sure he'd be able to make that step up to the Premier League like you say he doesn't do a lot he just scores goals and sometimes you get those sort of players it's amazing though somebody just scores goals <laughs> those players who come up they're quite the important aren't they? Yeah. Um, and they yeah. and they kind of you think oh if they're a type that, of player that feeds off scraps, maybe they won't have as many opportunities in the Premier League. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's a fox. Isn't yeah. He's a fox yeah. in the box. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I do apologise to him. I hope he hears this and I hope he takes that on board. Okay, uh, he'll be inviting you on his holiday next. He's welcome. Um, do you know the last time Norwich beat West Ham away? Do you know the I, date? I don't know. Was it a I'll special I'll give you some day? clues. The Louvre's Pyramid had just opened. Okay. Uh, Iran and Britain had fallen out over Salman Rushdie's satanic verses. And Nick Faldo was just about to be the first English winner of the Masters. Okay. Any guesses? Nine, 93. I'll go 94. Oh, March 1989. Oh, not right. close wow. at all. Um, Before talking I was not born, close at all. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> talking of not close at all, let's move on to Chelsea and Sheffield United. Surely this is going to be a rampaging Chelsea win after their magnificent performance down at Carrow Road uh, last weekend. It's going to be 96 years, 328 days since Sheffield United kept a clean sheet at Chelsea. So are we all picking top boy Tammy this weekend? I think so. I think you have to. Um, he's, I mean, similar to Puki actually. He was impressive in the championship and you, know, you kind of think, is he going to make that step up? And he has. He's uh, he's looked more than decent enough offering that Chelsea have had to, you know, they have to put up with him this season, obviously because of their transfer business. They've got Giroud, who, who did a decent job the week before, but um, I thought Tammy Abraham was really impressive against Norwich. You know, they're going to rough him, tough him around, make no mistake. Yeah. So it's a different battle for him. And when he's had the ball in the box, I've got to say, in the air, he doesn't look like he wants to head it. Mm. A bit like Giroud would, obviously, that's what he thrives on. Tammy wants the ball on the deck and, you know, has to be slid in. So different challenge here. It'll be interesting. But I think if he can bag here, it will show that, you know, he might be the man for all occasions. Yeah. Olivier Giroud doesn't want to head the ball because it would mess up his hair. Um, are uh, Jack O'Connell and Chris Basham super value for uh, Dream Team pickers because they pick up assists as well as um, the very odd, very odd clean sheet. Um, I noticed that the overlapping centre-back thing didn't quite work against Leicester City last weekend no not quite O'Connell got in that sort of position a couple of times um, actually the player that um, is the highest scoring Sheffield United player so far this season is um, Oliver Norwood um, he's only got 19 points oh, really? not, yeah. not too bad 2.2 million in the game and uh, recently interna- uh, retired from international football despite being only 28 great pass well. of the ball yeah well I, he's he's got one of the the lesser spotted ones of a right foot now it's usually ones of a left foot now Ollie Norwood uh, for me is, um, has got yeah a wand of a right foot he's, um, he's fantastic like ability wise and uh, yeah we'll just see what Sheffield United can do in this game I think it's probably their first big test of the season obviously they drew against Bournemouth beat Palace lost to Leicester they beat Blackburn in the cup um, earlier in the week and uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do against the Chelsea team who are, are just getting going I think Okay, I think McBurney and Sharp will be pressing for a start in this game after their impact against the Leicester. McGoldrick looks a little bit short at this level uh, for me. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Now, Bournemouth were lucky. It wasn't a little bit more comprehensive against Manchester City on Sunday. But how will they get on against Brendan Rodgers' Leicester? Tom Rennie is back. The feeling that Leicester City could crash the top six this season has been lent credence with their unbeaten start to the campaign, capped off by victory at Bramall Lane last weekend, with Jamie Vardy and especially Harvey Barnes scoring crackers. Under Brendan Rodgers, the Foxes' mix of dynamism and daring, with a solidity and organisation that's going to be tough to beat for anyone this season, especially at home. Leicester have lost just one of their last seven Premier League games at the King Power Stadium, keeping a clean sheet in four of the last five. Injuries, though, could derail a squad that looks a little bit threadbare. Ben Chilwell and Wilfred Ndidi are both major doubts for this one. That's a thought that will make many Bournemouth fans spit out their cherries in laughter. A couple of doubts does not make an injury crisis, they'll say. The South Coast Club have been the Premier League's walking wounded for quite some time with Charlie Daniels unlikely to be back this week 
joining David Brooks, Dan Gosling, Lewis Cook, Junior Stanislas, and more in the Vitality Treatment Room. But when you have Callum Wilson and Josh King, you still have players capable of winning you matches. And the want-away Ryan Fraser is still there too, alongside their new Liverpool lone star, Harry Wilson. His free kick last weekend against Manchester City got all of our hearts fluttering with its Payet-esque brilliance. A few more of those would do just nicely. This is the real test of Leicester's top six ambitions. You have to beat the rest if you want to be the best. And Bournemouth are the epitome of a mid-table club. Are Brendan Rodgers' men up to the cherry challenge? We'll find out. So many interesting games uh, this weekend. Everton Wolves is on Sunday. No Jabama uh, this weekend for Everton, who have scored one goal this season from three games. Why have they only scored one goal from three games? I mean, they've, they've got Moise Keane. Um, they've got uh, Theo Walcott, Jenk Toshin, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Gilfie Sigurdsson. They've got forward-thinking players, David, but they're not creating enough chances. No, I mean, six shots on target in three games. Uh, but if you look at the attempts, certainly against Villa, I mean, Calvert-Lewin, he had a side foot volley, he could put it anywhere in the goal, hit it straight at the two players that were on the line. Then I think Iwobi hit the post, which was a decent effort. But then Theo Walcott had the absolute chance of the game at the back post, side foot volley. Sitter. He's just sitter, he's just got to hit the target. And you can see the frustration on, on Silver's face when he turns around because there's only so much you can do as a coach, right? You put the players out there, you set them up in a way. And I guess he probably looks at Wesley, what he did for Villa, and thinks, you know, if I had a nine like that, you know, I might have half a chance. But he doesn't. He's got a sort of blunt strike force. And the matter who he puts on or what he plays if he had a decent forward line you know they'd be winning games that they're losing but you still can't really see much improvement there one paced Schneider and Gomez in midfield were running in treacle against Aston Villa last weekend is that really the best they can do in fairness Gomez played very well last season but he he was not himself at all in that game I think someone joked on Twitter as Gomez's brother turned up for this game I think he's got to get it right quickly Marco Silva but they're worrying statistics he had an injury actually going into that game. I think that might have been a problem. I think they were going to rest him for it, but it decided to put him in. Maybe he turned around and said that he was okay for it. Players sometimes do that. But ultimately, going a bit early with the Marco, Marco Silva to head the sack race. Um, they've drawn away at Crystal Palace with 10 men. They've beaten Watford in their only home game so far. Yes, they had a bad night on Friday night, but if they get three points against Wolves, they'll say it was a satisfactory start to the season, right? Yeah, they will. But I think this is a game between two sides who, you know, Everton should be pushing for Europa. And obviously Wolves have got that 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 football. And um, can they capitalise on it, Everton, thinking, right, you know, the, the history tells you those teams who play Europa, Europa League, do struggle, you know, and can Wolves buck the trend? Well, they are stuttering themselves at the minute so you'd think that actually you know if they're on at Everton they might be able to beat Wolves here they're taking it seriously as well aren't they Wolves Uh, which is great they're unbeaten though aren't they so far this season I mean with all due respect they, they haven't lost a game it's a balancing act because he's putting a strong team out in the Europa League. We know from last season, or was it first nine matches of the season, he named the same 11. Nuno doesn't like to change the team. He's going to have to do that this season if they're to compete on two fronts. And I suppose, again, we're going to see if the players they've brought in are strong enough. I, I do think they're still too reliant on Raul Jimenez to score the bulk of their goals. I think you'll find that once they get into the group stage of the competition, the idea of playing a strong team every Thursday night will go out the window and he'll use a lot more of the younger players during those matches, meaning that he's 
more established players can end up being fresh for the weekend but we shall see I think at the moment he's making sure they get into that uh, Europa League group stage I think Everton are going to have a tough job against Wolves mainly because they're so resolute even when they aren't at their best they, they tend not to lose don't they I mean you look at last Sunday they could have lost by more actually uh, but they scored a 95th minute penalty with only their second shot on target in, uh, of the game um, Everton and Wolves defenders in your fantasy team this week I think for a, for a nil-nil it's nailed on why is this selected for TV okay 10 matches done time to finish with this yes it's time for the commentator's curse last week I gave the big up to Anthony Martial only for him to fail miserably at Old Trafford against Crystal Palace but he wasn't the only one whose weekend are we going to ruin this week just by saying how great they are Alex well, Harry Kane for me, North London derby, the man for the big occasion, nine goals in nine games against Arsenal. That's a record for a North London derby in the Premier League. I think he looked a bit jaded against Newcastle, I have to be honest, but this is a game that stokes fire in the belly. He began his career, of course, at Arsenal. He's a North London boy. He knows how much this means to the Spurs fans. He is nailed on to score. He's going to be captain in my fantasy team. Nine goals in nine games. Only Emmanuel Adebayor and Bobby Smith, both ten, have ever scored more in matches between the two sides in history. He's going to have to um, touch the so ball he... a, a little bit more than he did last week, that's for sure. But... <laughs> um, David, who are you going to ruin? Uh, I'm going to ruin a player who got two terrific goals last week and finally got off the mark after being at the club since he was eight years of age, and that's Tammy Abraham. Uh, great to see him get Tell a couple me. of goals he's up against a different challenge here you know Norwich you know who like to play a pretty brand of football but Sheffield United will be much much different those three big ugly centre halves which you get in the championship now operating in the Premier League you know can he do it against a different sort of side I'm thinking that he can and they're at home I'm going for Tammy to bag another couple OK good luck to top boy Tammy let's hope he continues his goal scoring form um, my question is can this pookie love continue and now I feel the need to point this boy out because he is in esteemed company he has scored Timo Puki or Timo Puki as he's told us it's now pronounced um, he has scored in each of his first three Premier League games if he scores at the weekend he will become only the third player in Premier League history to net in his opening four appearances do you know who else has done that Diego Costa and the mighty Mick Quinn. That's right, folks. And there's a few similarities, isn't there, between the, the, those three. All three of them have been great goal scorers. All three are a little bit rough and ready, and not your typical Premier League frontman. And all three have had drinks named after them as well. And when they perform these magnificent feats, they all raised eyebrows when they told you that they're actually under 30 years of age because no one believes that for a minute, do they? Uh, cheers. Well, the mighty Quinn actually is an IPA brewed in San Francisco. There's a little fact for you that you can try and get into your commentary over the weekend. Uh, Pookie is a Polish beer. I'm sure David's tried that. What is cheers in Polish? <laughs> Twoji Zdrowie. Yeah, so how... Uh, so yeah, that, do yeah. that, mate. Go on. Twoji <laughs> Zdrowie. Hang on. What? Say again. Zdrowie Zdrowie. Twoji Zdrowie. Twoji Zdrowie. I prefer John Smith. Who does he play for? <laughs> um, right, okay. 
that's it from us uh, remember lots of live football over the weekend the big ones as far as I'm concerned Southampton Manchester United Manchester City Brighton and Burnley against Liverpool they're going to be absolutely mouth-watering uh, please rate and review us on your podcast provider and tell all your mates about us That was a game day Premier League preview show, a TalkSport exclusive podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on TalkSport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.